Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Welcome back. And if you're new to the show, this is where we talk about growing our business as personal historians. That is, helping clients create life story books and other legacy projects to share with their family, friends, and future generations. Today, I want to talk about the topic of sharing, not clients sharing their story, but how much and when is appropriate for us to share personal things about ourselves. So if you're a regular listener, you might remember a few episodes back, I, I talked about this topic. And um, since then, my thoughts have changed a little bit because of a couple of things that have happened in between. So uh, I think it's episode eight, where I was talking about the woman who um, was telling me that she, uh, so she's in her upper 80s, and she has her pilot's license or used to have her pilot's license. And I got so excited that I had to share with her my my story about almost getting a pilot's license. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that was very out of the ordinary for me. And it's because I've always held pretty firmly to this idea that we are there to have somebody tell us about what happened to their life. We're there to bear witness to their history, not to share our own. It's not so much a conversation as it is a, a time to sit and listen to somebody. Um, and of course, you know, if, if they ask questions about us, then I have no problem talking a little bit about my life, but that's never, that should never be the focus. And honestly, people don't usually ask. Um, however, so a couple weeks ago, I had a long conversation with a woman who hosts a podcast. Her name is Jennifer Gardner, and she has this podcast called Rome Howl. It's, it's a great show. You should check it out. Um, and she, she features interviews with women who have made, um, basically who've made sharp turns somewhere in their, in their midlife usually. Um, and during our, what turned out to be an hour long phone conversation, we were exploring whether I would be a good fit for her to be, um, for to be a guest on her show. And at quick glance, I met all of the criteria. So midlife career change, check. Um, I had a change spurred by a painful life episode. Um, I took some out of ordinary steps that might appeal to other people. There were a few extra dollops of hardship and conflict, right? So I checked all of these these boxes. Um, and just to, I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but just to give you a brief overview, overview, we were talking about how when I started the Story Scribe, which is my personal history business, um, I was in the midst of a divorce and we were also, um, during the separation and then for three years afterwards, we did a, um, a nesting arrangement with our children. If you don't know what that is, it's when the kids move or the kids stay in the family home and the mom and dad move back and forth. So every week I was packing up my bags and moving to the two bedroom duplex, one half of a two bedroom duplex that I shared with my ex-husband. So when he was there, I was at the house with the kids and vice versa. And, you know, there were some divorce is hard. Families are not meant to be taken apart, as my therapist told me. And um, yeah, so there were obviously some hard things. Anybody who's gone through divorce knows that it's it's not easy. There was some stuff that made it even harder that I'm not going to get into. But I was 
trying to explain some of this to Jennifer because she was asking, because really that's what her show is about. It's about portraying really tough conflicts and challenges that women have gone through so that the listeners who may be in really tough situations and undergoing conflicts of their own, that they can draw some inspiration from that. And I, uh, I absolutely see the value in that. But I also realized that I stunk at talking about it. Um, the more that we got into it, the more I, f- I felt just stuck. I, I, I started to feel actually kind of panicky. Um, because, you know, I think what, what Jennifer was doing, like any good interviewer, was she was asking me to dig deeper. She was asking me to paint a picture for her of what my life had been like during that period. Um, and the more she wanted me to kind of dig deep, the the more anxious I felt. Um, and I, I very quickly started hitting up against a wall. Um, so there were long pauses. Um, the longer that we talked, like I said, the, the more kind of frantic I felt and words were failing me over and over. Now, I've always considered myself to be pretty good at self-reflection, um, but I realized that it's it's much better for me when it happens on the page, when I'm writing to myself, that nobody's going to see or read. Um, and it turns out that I'm not so great at sharing in conversation. Um And it wasn't just the facts that she was going for. It was because she was looking for my reactions to things, my feelings, my reflections, my interpretations. And then I gave a little start when she asked me, we were talking about one particularly painful thing, and she asked me what I had learned from it. And I thought, hey, wait, that's my question. When I interview people about their life, and we talk about something, you know, something of some significance that happened, a big event or an incident... It's a regular question. I ask, you know, how did that make you feel? Or what did you learn from that? And I might have mentioned this on a, on a previous episode, but just if you haven't heard it, like the first question, how did that make you feel? That goes over easier for women, usually. It's easier for women to answer. And if men have trouble with it, which they often do, then the second question is usually better. What did you learn from that? Okay. But here I am. I couldn't answer either question easily. And when I think about it, you know, sometimes I watch as my storyteller struggles to find the words. And sometimes they never do find the words to express something. I like to think that I'm a good interviewer. I honestly do think that I am a very solid, good interviewer. But until this talk with Jennifer, until I was on the other side of the microphone, you know, until I was in the interviewee's seat, I didn't fully understand how hard it was to share something in a coherent way. And I'm, I'm not talking just about the facts, because the facts are, are pretty easy. As long as you have, you know, good recall, the facts are easy to tell. Um, the thing that's harder is giving your reactions to something. So, um, especially if it's something that, if it's a question that you were not expecting, and it's asking you about something that you maybe haven't processed yourself, or you haven't taken the time to think through and f- figure out what your story is, um, what your reaction was to that incident, and how it fits in the narrative of your life. So, a couple of weeks ago, 
um, I had this was after my my talk with Jennifer. I had a client. I was I was interviewing a, a storyteller, and he apologized for not knowing the answers to some of my questions and knowing I, I put in quotation marks. I I hate that. I hate when I hear a storyteller that tell me that because they should never feel like they're not doing it right. Right. Um, they they should never have the feeling that they're performing in any kind of way. I want, even when they're talking about something that's difficult to talk about, I want to make it as easy as possible for them to do so. But now I think I understand a little bit more when they do tell me, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't have the answer for you. Because again, it's not just about the facts. It's about what we've taken away from some experiences. And sometimes we just don't know. Now, you have to recognize when it just takes a few moments of silence on your part as the interviewer to let somebody process through those things. Um, and sometimes they're just not ready to talk about it. And that's one of the things that my pre-interview interview, right? And actually, I decided when I, after I spoke with Jennifer that, no, I'm not ready to go out into the world on somebody's podcast and talk about some really difficult things. I, maybe I will someday and I see the value of doing it, but it's, it's not for me right now. But it gave me this really good insight into what my interviewees, my storytellers are going through when I'm sitting down and asking them these really tough questions. So I guess what I took away from it is that I now have a better understanding of what they're going through. And I think it might be a good exercise for us to all go through to put ourselves in the in the storyteller's seat and to have somebody else ask us questions, hard-hitting questions about our life. I'm not talking about investigative reporting questions, but the, the questions that might be more difficult for us to talk about, you know, reflecting on things, giving our interpretation of things. Um, and I'm not talking about conversations that we have with our best girlfriends or our spouses. Um, and I'm not talking about the conversations where we go and seek somebody out because some something's weighing heavily on our head and, and we just really need to talk about it because then it is easy to talk through things. I'm talking about having somebody sit down with us as if they are our personal historian, and it will give us an idea of what our storytellers are going through when they're sitting across the table from us. Okay, so that's the first big part of this episode. The second part is very much related about this, you know, it's this topic of sharing and how hard it is and, you know, trying to find when and where it's appropriate. But it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different take on it. But it's, again, um, something that happened to me that made me learn something. So a few days ago, I'm, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, when I'm going to publish it, but I'm, I'm recording this in April. And a few days ago, I in on April 9th, I gave a presentation to a group of seniors. I'd been asked to come talk to their meet at their meeting to tell them about personal history. It's something that I love to do, and actually, that's a good tip for you. That it's a it's a great tool for your marketing toolkit to have a presentation to give to groups when they call and ask you. And it could be the Rotary group, it could be writers groups, it could be groups of senior citizens church groups, um, everybody, when they hear about this, you know, it's it's not hard to get their interest. And it's very, 
because of the topic, it's not hard to make these talks fun and entertaining and and also very informative. Um, so maybe later I'll do an episode about what a presentation can look like, at least what mine look like. Anyhow, this group, when I right from the moment that I walked in, they were lovely. They were there were about 25 senior citizens. Um, they'd been meeting for over 30 years, and there was a lot of good camaraderie, um, a, a really nice mood in this room. So every time I give a presentation, I, I have kind of a standard, well, a couple standard ones, but I, I change them up slightly depending on who I'm going to be speaking to. And for this one, I had chosen to play a short audio clip from an interview that I did several years ago. And um, it's something that I use sometimes, not not with every presentation. But the audio clip is of um, the storytellers describing how when as a child, a ghost appeared at her bedside, and she was scared out of her mind. She was so scared that she couldn't even find her voice to call her mom. It's kind of a sweet story. But one of the reasons that I play it is because um, it actually led us into something deeper. So um, I, I like to use this as a lesson in how we need to listen to these stories and be and be open and willing to listen to what seem seems like tangents, because they can often guide us to the more serious and the more consequential stories that a story doesn't even realize that they want to talk about. Um, And what happened with this woman was that when I asked her what the ghost looked like, she said that it looked like her aunt. And then it led into the story about how her aunt and her mother, they were sisters, they had um, they had had a falling out, and it was a family feud that lasted until both women died in their old age. So it was it was a pretty significant thing that happened to this family, and we probably wouldn't have gotten to it had this woman not told the story that she remembered through her child's eyes of of having a ghost appear at her bedside. Okay, so this audio clip during presentations that usually is where I leave it. So you know. Play the audio clip, give people a little taste of what what these audios sound like, um, what a real life interview sounds like, um, and then and then I leave it at that. You know, I explain why this is important. You know, these tangents and everything that I just explained. However, this time I did not just leave it at that, um, because as it happened, this presentation, um, which I said took place on April 9th, it happened to fall on the one-year anniversary of my dad's death. So he died very unexpectedly, very suddenly on April 9th, 2017. Nine months before that, after a long um, bout of illness, well, dementia, uh, after years of battling dementia, my mom died. So my dad died a year ago, April. My mom died nine months before that. And you've probably guessed it, the woman on the recording telling the story about the ghost was my mom. Okay, I don't mention that to groups. I I just don't tell them that. I don't see the need for them to know that. Um, it's very personal. Um, and I'm not there to share things that are very personal. Um, I'm there to talk about personal history and, and what it means and, you know, Maybe I've been a little too, you know, having the cards too close to my chest. Is that the saying? I forget. Um, Because personal history should be personal. But at any rate, I've always thought, no, they don't want to hear about me. They want to hear about like this, this topic of personal history and what it can mean to them. Um, 
And I've, I just didn't want to talk about something that was really sad, like my mom getting dementia and my dad taking care of her at home and my dad getting so worn out that he dies nine months after she does, both of them still in their 70s. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, you guys. The, the thing is that the mood changed in that room as soon as I told them who was on the recording. And as soon as I told them what had happened to her and what had happened to my dad and what day it was for me, that it was this special, sad day. And I think I might have even apologized and, you know, explained to them, hey, I don't normally do this, but I just couldn't help myself. The presentation came to an end just after this. Um, I was worried because I didn't want to leave them on a down note, you know, something depressing, but I'd kind of blown that one already. Um, and, you know, we, we finished up. We had a, a few questions and answers. Um, I gave them the door prize, which is another little hint that I can give you guys that I got from Dion Atkinson. Um, and we could talk about that later, but it's a way to collect emails for your email list. Um, but fairly quickly after after I revealed who this was and, and all of the significance of the day, um, I was packed up and I was heading out. And I cannot tell you how many people got up to thank me and to express their very, very sincere sympathy. Um, one lady in particular, she had, she'd been sitting kind of far in the back. And just as I was passing her row of seats, she got up and she walked over to me and kind of quietly just asked if she could give me a hug. And she told me she knew how hard it was to lose a parent. And this is a woman probably in her 70s or 80s. I was so touched by that. So I guess my point is that you know, what this has all brought me to say, it's not complicated. It's just that maybe it is good to share parts of our own story. We can get so good at listening that maybe we forget how to talk about ourselves and about our own stories. Um, You know, going back to the experience I had being interviewed, sort of this pre-interview interview interview with with Jennifer Gardner, you know, maybe it's a vocational hazard that we can get so adept at empathetic listening, at being an active listener. Maybe we can become such good interviewers that we forget how to be the talker, the one doing the sharing. And maybe for no good pragmatic reason, except that we're all in this life together, maybe sometimes it's okay to open up to our storytellers and our potential clients and share some some of our own life with them, a little bit about our own humanity. Um, that's not to say that there's n- there's not personal professional I'm um, not personal but professional boundaries. There certainly are. There are professional boundaries that we don't want to cross. Um, but I think that maybe they're not quite as set in stone as what I had previously believed. Okay, I know this episode was not chock full of any kind of practical advice. It was definitely much more me working through some things I've noticed and have been thinking about. But I would certainly appreciate your thoughts on this um, about sharing with clients. How much do we share with about ourselves? Um, Have you had any surprises that made you see interviewing in a different light? Are any of the skills that you bring to the table for for your your life story business? Anything that made you realize something that you had not seen before? 
I would love to hear your take on this. If you'd like to share, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 13. Um, that's if you have any other ideas that could help the rest of us, or if you have any questions about this episode, go ahead and share them on the comments under episode 13. And if today's show was helpful, the best way you can return the favor is to leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Amy Woods Butler, personal historian, and your coach for building your own personal history business. Now go out and save someone's story. And while you're at it, tell a little of your own. And I would be so scared, but I couldn't scream for my mom because I was my voice wouldn't work. And she scared me to death. And she'd stand there and just stare at me. What and did she look like? She was fat. She kind of reminded me of my aunt, my one aunt, my mom's one sister, Annie. Oh. She kind of reminded. But Annie was still alive. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was.